what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. internet travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith and uh, hi i'm ryan buell my new co-host <laughs> hi everybody it's uh it's the new it's the new before and after show with mj and ryan instead of mj and Corey. um Corey is moving to indiana for work and we are super excited for him but mm. the show must go on as it were and so um, I have lined up Ryan as my new co-host. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan is mostly going to be the co-host for the podcast, and next week you will see the new co-host for the YouTube channel. Um, I'll keep that under wraps until you Ooh. see them. Secrets, good sir. Secrets. Yep, secrets. So, uh, yeah, this went from a two-person show to a four-person show <laughs> in about two weeks, and Are you turning into like a pimp? Yeah, apparently. Just gathering dudes everywhere you go. <laughs> or like some weird circus. Just some weird <laughs> cult, pop culture circus. I have been accused of being a bearded lady before, but you know, that was back in high school. Wh- what? <laughs> um, so, uh, welcome aboard, Ryan. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I remember when you called me about this two weeks ago, mm-hmm. a week ago. Yep. Uh, I was in my jammies. It was three <laughs> o'clock. It's summer, don't judge me. And uh, I was super like floored i don't know why you would want me on i'm kind of strange but Uh, i'm super glad to be here the reason i would want you on is because you are the single most popular guest in the history of the before and after show i'm i'm turning blood red (laughs) um (laughs) yeah uh every time you've been on the show everyone's like man i like that ryan i like the cut of his jib because i only (laughs) hang out with people from the 1930s I love that phrase. No one uses it enough. Yeah, they said, I like the cut of that Ryan's jib. 23's can do. And then they twirled their mustache and put on a uh, paperboy hat. and <laughs> Rode off on their... <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. Ryan Buell's the new co-host of the Before and After Show. What's a podcast? It's oh. the 30s. Oh, good golly. Well, I'm super stoked to be here and chit-chat about nerdy stuff and movies and stories and characters which that's all the stuff i love yes and that is all the stuff that the people who have listened to you love so without further ado we will get into the show proper so have you been watching anything these last couple weeks i have i've watched a couple things uh first thing uh i watched on netflix was it man 3 have you seen the it man the trilogy dude uh it's amazing it's a great trilogy of if you love kung fu Mm -hmm. watch these but if you love kung fu that's actually got good story and really good character development and like stuff you're like, I really care about these people. These are the movies to watch. Uh, Ip Man, I don't know if you know anything about Ip Man. He yeah. He's the master of Bruce Lee and uh, the first one kind of chronicles his journey from uh, a small town in China to I think like China proper to mm. the main capital city. Uh, and it's just really, really good. The third one is amazing. It's got uh, Mike Tyson in it. I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I knew that. Um, 
and there is a fight scene between him and and it man which is not the the main fight which i'm glad it wasn't because it was kind of crappy like clubber lang is he the clubber lang of the it man yeah, movies <laughs> very much so um but it's that it's just a great great movie i love the whole series it's kind of like the chinese rocky if you will so it is like clubber lang yeah <laughs> it, it is that but it's it's a whole lot of fun um yeah but yeah it man three that was really good what else have i been watching uh last i'm, I'm getting caught up i've been watching vikings Oh, okay. On uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. They, they have the series, the, the seasons up there. I've watched the first two seasons. I'm into the third season. It's a good show. Okay. Vikings were effed up. Yes. That was not a society I want to be a part of. No. They, they, they were sleeping with each other in the weird ways. In the weird ways. <laughs> in the weird ways. Um, let's see. What did I watch? Uh, mm-hmm. The other two things that I, I kind of want to camp out on are The Killing Joke. I got a chance to see that Monday mm-hmm. night. In a theater, uh, you know, it's the killing joke. It's Alan Moore's, you know, iconic Batman graphic novel, comic issue, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it. It kind of is, you know, top three Batman stories of all time. When you talk Batman stories people should read, you usually hear year one, long Halloween, killing joke. And it's kind of bad. Mm. Man, it's kind of bad. That's, uh, that's sad to hear. Yeah. So the, the big thing is... Brian Azzarello um, wrote a... He, he, he quote-unquote wrote the movie. They lift a lot of dialogue from the comic in the second half. Uh, and the reason I say the second half is because the first 25 minutes is not the killing joke at all. It's a brand new Batgirl. I'm going to use that in quotes. She's on screen most of the time. So I'm going to say it's a Batgirl story mm. that is just... The, the purpose it is supposed to serve is to flesh out Barbara as a character, understand where she's coming from, kind of ground her in the world a little bit. That way, when she gets shot in the second half, you kind of understand, like, what it all means, because Killing Joke, you kind of have to have a bunch of years of comic knowledge going up to it. My argument is that if you're going to go see The Killing Joke in a movie theater, you probably already know. Yeah, really. Well, if it's a cartoon alone, it's only the diehard fans are going to be like, ooh, let's go see this. Yes, yeah. And it's rated R, so it's not like kids are going to see it at Redbox and be like, give me that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Although there are some stupid parents out there, but yes. Yes. Uh, So... I, I'm, my argument is that it's not needed to begin with. Uh, it's mm. super not needed because it is so bad. It's mm. so, so bad. It's so poorly written. Um, if you guys have listened to me, especially if you've listened to me in the last couple weeks, I'm not quick to call things sexist at all. Either way. <laughs> um, it is not an application. It's not a term I like to apply to stuff. I also do the same thing with racist, mainly because I feel like it's a very quick way to dismiss something Mm. that might make you a little bit uncomfortable um so i think and i think it's it it, it can sometimes not all times uh it can sometimes hurt your reading of a piece of art um by calling it racist Mm. you immediately dismiss whether or not it's actually trying to say something or by calling it sexist you you immediately dismiss like whether or not it's trying to say something about about sexism or racism you know mm. um the killing joke is crazy sexist mm. yeah, brian azarello he's not a he's not a screenwriter he's yeah. a comic book guy i don't know yeah. why they pulled him into it yeah uh the dialogue he wrote is awful it's so bad um 
so the the Batgirl story centers around a Batgirl is being stalked by a um, by a criminal, uh, an up and coming crime boss hmm. by the name of uh, Paris Franz. Yup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I'm gonna repeat that. Paris Franz. And yeah, he keeps leaving these like messages for her where he's like Tell him he leaves them in little idol towers. <laughs> no. He he leaves her like cell phones that have like uh, pre-recorded or like that are connected to Skype or whatever. Okay. And he's like, see you over there, baby girl, like see you at the first place we met. And Batgirl's just like, Well, this is kinda cute. And Batman has to explain to her that she's being objectified. Uh that's not a paraphrasing, he literally says, it's not cute, you're being objectified. That's a real line in this movie! So oh. I'm supposed to buy that he finds this woman a capable enough detective to take under his wing, uh, or cowl, so to speak, <laughs> and train her up to be part of the Bat family, but also she's too stupid to realize she's being objectified? Mm. Awful. Yeah. The bigger problem is that Batman is her biggest abuser in the whole movie. Batman gives her no say in anything that's going on, even though he's supposed to be training her. Um, he has these scenes where he's like, if you want to work with me, you have to do what I say. And she's like, well, you like, I don't get any input. And he's like, no. And then she's like, so whatever you say is just law. And he goes, as far as you're concerned, it is. And he's just like, like the super, he's so much taller than her and imposing. Like mm. she's going to do whatever he says. He's intimidating. Like that's his whole thing is he's built his entire persona around being intimidating. So he just intimidates her into obeying basically. Yeah. And then she finally has enough of it. Cause she's apparently not as stupid as the movie would have us believe. Mm -hmm. Tries fighting him on a rooftop, pins him down. And then is like, mm, never mind. Let's get it on. And then has sex with him on a rooftop. Oh, Face plant into hand. What? Yeah, you didn't hear about that? No. Yeah. Batgirl and Batman have sex. Cause yeah. That's in the comics. Mm -hmm. Yep. Never mind that traditionally uh, Bat Batgirl skews more towards Robin's age. Well, that and also she sees Bruce Wayne as a father uh -huh. figure. Yep. And not as a. Yeah, and I mean, the, the scene is not graphic in any certain terms. Uh, you know, it's not, there's not like a weird animated sex scene <laughs> in it. Man, DC's uh, got full porn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not like that. But it's, I mean, you know what happens and there's a scene later. There's a scene later where it shows like Batgirl just like, um, lovelorn and waiting for Batman to call her because he does, he like evades her for three days or something. And so she's like, well, I'm just going to call him and like calls him. <sighs> and he like answers on the bat phone in his car. And she's like, it's just sex, Bruce. I don't care. Do you care? And it's just like, stu it's so stupid. Uh, and Batman is just like, later, click. He actually says later, by the way. Also not a paraphrase. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, and then, the, the after all that happens, Batgirl hangs up the cowl, and then the killing joke proper happens. Now, was that good at least? That's decent. Okay. Um, Mark Hamill's incredible. He's incredible in it. Yeah. He's the Joker. He's back to be the Joker. He's so good in it. Um, the scene where he sings the song mm -hmm. is amazing. Uh, like, it's worth redboxing just for that scene. For that scene Go okay. redbox this movie, start it at the 25-minute mark, and then just watch till the end, and okay. I think you would be fine. Okay. <laughs> um, skip the extra stuff they put in there. For sure. Like, I feel like my opinion of this movie would be so much higher if that 25-minute Batgirl sequence didn't exist. Mm. Um, and then there was the controversy with Brian Azzarello at 
Comic-Con this... Yeah, that. this last week where he used a very derogatory name to <sighs> uh, to respond to someone who was like, Hey man, this is insanely sexist. Why is that? Have you ever seen interviews with that guy? I have not. He is a schmuck. Really? Like, I watched a couple after you told me that just to be like, what's this guy's deal? What's his character? And both times, these very nice young guys are trying to interview him and he's giving them nothing to the point where they ended the interview quickly. He just looked like... Fine, thank you. I hated this to begin with. Like, he just hates the rigmarole that you have to do. He just wants to write. And it's like, that's fine, but you gotta appeal to your audience. Yeah. And you gotta, you know, he just seems like a very off, but he, he reminded me of Frank Miller, of oh. meaner. Yeah. But, and also sense. a worse writer. Yes. <laughs> that, it's funny because I was just thinking about that today in the shower of all places. I was in the shower and I was like, Brian Azzarello is like a crappy Frank Miller. <laughs> yeah. Because they lifted so much out of out of the uh, the comic, yeah. they're using Alan Moore's words. And to just see like the wordsmith Alan Moore is contrasted with like, he's objectifying you. Later, click. It's so it's such a leap in quality yeah. of of writing that it's it's insane that they even let him do this to begin with. Um, let's talk some news. It was Comic-Con. Woohoo! Lots of news out of Comic-Con. Uh, lots of trailers out of Comic-Con. Ryan, Heck what were yeah. the big stories out of Comic-Con that you liked? Oh, uh, the big ones. All right, so uh, this happened, I don't know, was it Tuesday night? Monday night? Monday night. Monday, anyways, uh, the big ones for me. Um, new Justice League trailer. Oh, yeah. Which was amazing. Uh, and Wonder Woman. Oh, my god! That big one. Uh, those two trailers alone, we could probably spend an entire episode talking about. But those new, the new trailers for these give me hope for the DC Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Perfect, no, but leaning towards the right track. I don't know, man. That Wonder Woman trailer is pretty perfect. I really, really? I loved that trailer. Uh, I I loved it too. I'm not sold on Gal Gadot as being a good actress. Oh man, I don't think that because I've watched it several times. Her eyes are dead. Mm. to me like there's no animation there it's just kind of like just wide staring even though in the justice league the little uh quip she has with bruce about you know uh aquaman joining oh yeah joke that went between him it just was very the words were there but her expression was just kind of very nothing um not to say it's gonna be bad but just Mm -hmm. that's that's just my opinion but i'm super stoked for those movies um kong the new Tom Hiddleston movie. That's a solid trailer, man. I yeah. just watched that tonight, and it is pretty good. It looks legit scary and epic. Like, yeah. Bringing that franchise back in a big way. Uh, John Goodman. Like, all you gotta do... Yeah. I had no idea who the cast was for that. Like, really? I knew Brie Larson was gonna be in it, but somehow I completely missed Samuel L. Jackson, John Goodman, and Tom Hiddleston were gonna be in that movie. Oh, I was stoked with the scene where Samuel Jackson's pointing that gun at John Goodman mm-hmm. and says something to the effect of, tell me what the F is on this island. Yeah. And then just John Goodman's like, oh, I want to see that scene alone yeah. between these two great actors. Um, and Tom Hiddleston had no lines whatsoever. Nope, he did not. Which made my wife angry to no end because that's her favorite actor. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. I'm excited. I know you. we talked about this. You're not excited for the new no, uh, Guy uh, Guy Ritchie, Arthur. Bro Arthur. Bro Arthur <laughs> thing. Um, I'm excited. I'm an Arthur. Fantasy, Arthur, King mm-hmm. Arthur lore. I'm a sucker for it. So I'm willing yeah. to give it a try. I liked 
to give an example, the King Arthur movie that came out years the ago. The Clive Owen one? Clive Owen one, mm-hmm. Keira Knightley, mm-hmm. all that. Not a great, technically not a great movie, but I, 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 you know, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So I'm willing to give this one a try, but I, I, you, you have some really good insight into that. Um, or your thoughts, I should say. I just, it was, it's a very confusing trailer. Like, mm-hmm. I really didn't necessarily understand what was going on. Um, I'm still not sure what's going on. He is planning on making, like, seven or ten of these, and I just don't... Don't see that happening. No. Even if even if he gets three off the ground, uh, I don't see him being allowed to make seven or ten of these. Like, yeah. It's just way too long to have a director committed to a series of movies and an actor. And, like, he wants to do this whole, like, epic, like, Knights of the Round Table uh, story. And, like, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm willing to give it a, cha- uh, give it a shot. Um, but in terms of news, I don't know. The biggest thing for me is finding out Ghost Rider. Oh, yeah. Is, Ghost Rider is, is coming. coming to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Season 4. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty stoked for that. I'm a huge Ghost Rider fan, so I'm excited to see them bring him back. It won't. It won't be Johnny Blaze. Yeah, it'll be the the newer guy that's come out, Miles something. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah. How about you? Um, my favorite trailer out of Comic Con. I've watched it twice now. The Lego Batman movie. I haven't seen that trailer yet. You haven't seen that trailer yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's so good, man. <laughs> Loki, not even Loki. That's my most anticipated movie of 2017. Wait, Loki? No, lo- like, oh. on the, like on the DL. Kind oh, of. Loki. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I'm so excited for that movie. It looks so good, man. Robin gets introduced in this trailer, and Robin is Michael Sarah, and it is great. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, gosh. Oh. There's just so many good jokes in that trailer, man. Does Chris Pratt come back? Uh, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Oh, it's just going to be Batman story. Yeah, it's just the Lego Batman movie. Oh, there's no, like, oh, that's still pretty cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, Will Arnett's back as Batman. Michael Sarah's Robin. Ray Fiennes is Alfred. What? I'm so excited. Oh. Zach Galifianakis is the Joker. Fat Joker. But it's Lego, so it's animated. That's true. Uh, it's so great it's so great I'm so excited for it it just it looks so good um that was the big trailer for me that that I was like yeah uh that new Doctor Stranger new Doctor Strange trailer is really good yeah the second one that one looks really really good it's really good but also has my single least favorite moment from a Marvel trailer ever which one the Wi-Fi password joke oh you didn't like that the joke is fine it's placement in the trailer is really odd as being the the ending of the trailer yeah well but it's sandwiched between these like two kind of intense action beats and like it just kind of comes out of nowhere it's just like if i felt like it just interrupted the action and i was like oh what like it was, it was really jarring it was very jarring yeah, yeah the joke is fine like yeah. it's it, that's a good joke but it, it, it's placement in the trailer was really awkward to yeah. me what do you think about the official announcement of Captain Marvel? Oh, <laughs> I thought we were going to talk Black Panther stuff. Um, oh, sure. Anyway, we, we'll no, that, we'll, right? no, we'll go Captain Marvel. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Brie Larson's fine. I like Brie Larson. I think she's a good actress. I yeah. think she's more than capable. I was really pulling for Rebecca Ferguson, mm. um, who was the main woman from the most recent Mission Impossible movie. Oh, oh she would have been a good Captain Marvel. Yeah, right? Um, so I was like, I kind of knew that Brie Larson was, was going to be Captain Marvel. And I think she looks in a, like, I think she looks 
like Carol Danvers. Like I totally get it, yeah. but also I I really like Rebecca Ferguson and I want to see her in more stuff. She was my favorite part of the last Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, that that she would have been really good, but oh well. Oh well. Yeah, but I, I mean I'm fine with it. What about you? Uh, I'm I'm super stoked that they finally named her. And yeah, I can see. Okay, this is Captain Marvel forward yeah because you know with wonder woman the movie coming out now marvel's gonna have to step it up and put their wonder woman movie out so yeah um, i'm pretty stoked but the reason you did your little cheetah cheetah bang bang dance was for black panther uh i think i can guess why but i prefer you to tell me so uh it is very well documented on this podcast that creed was my favorite movie of 2015 um Michael B. Jordan's an amazing actor. Ryan Coogler is Black Spielberg. Like, straight up. And so, <laughs> oh, when wow. they announced that that Coogler would be directing Black Panther, it immediately became my favorite Marvel movie ever, and not a single ounce of footage has been released. Like, I don't think they've even started filming this, but mm-hmm. I can tell you this is going to be my favorite Marvel movie. Um, then they started announcing the cast besides Chadwick Boseman. I already liked Chadwick Boseman, but it's got Lupita Nyong'o. Um, I'm sorry, but her name escapes me. The woman who plays Bianca in uh, Creed, who's an amazing actress. Michael B. Jordan's in it. Uh, just basically every up-and-coming, really solid young black performer is in this movie, and I'm crazy excited about it. Nice. Uh, and so they announced that Lupita Nyong'o is going to be in a mystery role. Um, but also Michael B. Jordan is going to be, uh, the villain. Mm. He's going to be Eric killed something. Kill grave. Nope. That's Jessica Jones guy. Oh, Killigan. Uh, that sounds right. Actually, I don't think it's Killigan. I just. Killigan's Island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pilot would be amazing. Eric Killmonger. Oh, Killmonger. (laughs) Killigan's better, but yeah. (laughs) A three-hour death. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. You know that's the movie we have to write now. Yep. Is Killigan's <laughs> Island. The gritty reboot of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> J- anyway. <laughs> the, professor, the professor's a mad scientist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Man, my brain is running with Killigan's Island right now. Like, I'm, oh my goodness. Um, That's good. I, I'm having trouble recovering from Killigan's Island. Just like so, yes. super creepy Gilligan hat. Like, just like like a Gilligan hat, but like on a stake. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just reimagining all the characters. So you got like. Uh, Ginger, instead of being the starlet, is it a dejected porn star? Or like a prostitute? Or a prostitute on a dime. (laughs) She just wanted a three-hour tour. Got more than she bargained for. (laughs) Oh, man. Skipper's like the Gordon's fisherman, just like grizzled and like... (laughs) Full-on crazy beard. He's like the captain from The Simpsons. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Thurston Howell is just Donald Trump. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yep, with his uh, cosmetically enhanced wife. <laughs> and they need to die within, like, the first two minutes. Just Someone get on this. How expensive can the rights to Gilligan's Island possibly be? 
Oh man, Killigan's Island. Killigan's Island. It's a super like dark, like m- minor key version yeah. of the, like the minor key version of the uh, Jurassic Park theme at the end yeah. of the Jur- Jurassic yeah. World trailer. The dun, three notes dun, on the piano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that happened. Um. So news. Yeah. So Michael B. Jordan <laughs> is going to be playing Eric Killmonger in uh, in Black Panther, and I'm crazy excited for him to play a villain he's usually played uh protagonists um yeah i'm just i'm super stoked i mean andy circus is gonna be in it yep andy circus is gonna be in it um yep chadwick boseman was i mean we got his first taste of black panther in civil war this year Mm -hmm. and it was incredible he was my favorite character in it um yeah that was the big piece of news for me was anything like black panther related Mm -hmm. um yeah. Hmm. Um but yeah, that's it. Uh I think for Comic-Con stuff unless you have anything. No, that's that's one kind of my noggin. <laughs> yep. Uh Brian Azzarello is a douchebag. That's that's yeah, the other thing. Yeah, um makes me sad. Yep. All right, we're going to cut right now and go to the before and after show Film School featuring Corey Tindall. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um And uh, this week we're talking about Oh, this week we're talking... I thought you were just pausing for a fact. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're talking about uh, Georges Méliès and uh, A Trip to the Moon and Hugo by Martin Scorsese, uh, which is about Georges Méliès. So we're going to uh, take a short break, come back with that, and then after film school, uh, Ryan and I will be back to talk about Jason Bourne. That's the thong. The thong? The thong. The thong. The thong. The thong. Nope. Ryan's got dumps like a truck. 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 Oh, crap. Welcome back to another edition of the Before and After Show Film School. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we are talking about the film A Trip to the Moon by Georges Méliès mm-hmm. and Hugo by Martin Scorsese. If you listened to the last episode, you know how those things relate to each other, mainly yes. in that Hugo is about Georges Méliès. We talked about Georges Méliès, who is one of the first filmmakers, mm-hmm. period. Um, yeah. He, was, he is known as the father of modern special effects. He did a bunch of special effects things because he was a magician and he realized that he could use this new technology of filming motion pictures to make basically magic tricks that are also movies and tell stories in that um so he is the father of a lot of super important innovations in cinema and a lot of techniques we use today Mm -hmm. he made over 500 films in his lifetime and only about 200 of them survived now so first off we watched uh a Trip to the Moon, which is arguably his most famous uh, film. If you guys have seen the picture of the moon with the rocket sticking out of its eyeball, that's wow. from A Trip to the Moon. Uh, it's a film from 1902, so it's very old. Yes. And it's it's one of the first motion pictures. It's only 12 minutes long. It's a short. Um, mm. We watched two versions of it. One was in yeah. black and white, and the other one was a colorized version, which was actually a restoration of um, of a colorized version that had surfaced in 1993 mm-hmm. Mille, uh, Melies he 
hand-painted all of his movies uh, for color. And mm-hmm. so he was he made color films before any sort of color film technology existed just by hand-painting the reels. Yeah. Which is insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, at the beginning of the colorized version of, of A Trip to the Moon, you see there are 13,375 frames yeah. <laughs> in A Trip to the Moon. Um, now, some of the, 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 the footage was very badly damaged yeah. and unrecoverable, so what they did is they poured it in black-and-white version and then just colored it uh, in mm-hmm. the style of of his coloring so it's not 100 percent a completed uh colorized version yeah uh, by him some of it was done digitally but it's the closest representation we have of that movie being colorized yeah um we'll talk about the black and white one first um oh also the colorized yeah. one had uh had uh different music by a band yeah. called air um and we will certainly talk about <laughs> yes, that because it will. was god awful um yeah man <laughs> and uh <laughs> but first let's talk about the uh, the black and white version which has um normal music attached to it and also some narration Mm -hmm. uh so Corey, what did you think about a trip to the moon i thought it was very interesting to watch like how the special effects played out um you know and a lot of the things like the the scientists or the astronomers or magicians or whatever they were you know you'd see something like they'd be holding something one second and then like the next frame would come and then it'd be like, oh, now they have chairs and stools. Mm-hmm. And so seeing stuff like that was really interesting just to see like, wow, these were like the first special effects. There's a lot of effects with when they go to the alien planet and like the aliens fall down and like spontaneously combust, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, that's pretty sweet. Like how, you know, you'd see them fall down and then like they get hit with something and then it's just like, boom like pile of smoke and that's that was really sweet and so i guess it was just really interesting to watch and see like all these different um effects that would kind of you know they pioneered like what special effects would be way down the road and so that was really unique seeing this you know just like little 12 minute short film yeah i mean the setup is basically like a group of scientists go to the moon yeah and then they fight some aliens and then they come back yeah like that's basically it but seeing that early of a special effect is so crazy yeah. because you basically i mean it's it's not too different yeah <laughs> it's really not too different from stuff you see now um and we'll talk more about this when we talk about hugo the way the technique they used is much more primitive yeah um mainly they just paused removed the people from the frame yeah uh, and had and had the people who were doing the quote stabbing motion um stay like freeze in place yep. and then start rolling again and then puff the smoke up yeah and then splice it all together the fact that he even thought to do that is yeah. mind-boggling. It's crazy. Because, in once again, we'll talk about this hmm. when we get to Hugo, you see the other films that were coming at the time, and it was literally just, like, a train arriving at the yep. station, or workers exiting a warehouse yeah. where they work. Like, they were documentaries for all into like, in the truest definition of yeah. the word. And so, to see him telling these narrative stories that cover sci-fi and fantasy and yeah. you know this sort of arabian <laughs> nights aesthetic that that you see and like mermaids and filming through a fish tank yeah. uh, when they go underwater it's like wow yeah and even seeing like kind of the t- like the yearning to go to the moon in 1902 yeah. something we would accomplish 60 years later yeah. is so crazy um it's uh it's certainly worth a watch it's only 12 minutes of yeah. your time like it's not a huge time commitment um, you know, and just seeing that that 
all those techniques get established, like get yeah. invented. It's yeah. so it's <laughs> so crazy to watch. Um, it is on Netflix, but the the print is real rough. Yeah, um, it hasn't been cleaned up digitally at all. But it's still it's I think it's still worth your time. Yeah, definitely. So then we saw a trip to the moon color. And uh, uh, like I was tripping on acid or something, man. So it was, was, yeah. So that version, like we said, has been colorized basically from an original print. Sometimes they did digital, but there was new music by a band called Air. It's the exact same movie, otherwise. Yeah, Uh, like shot for shot. I mean, it's it's just the same footage. Um, Corey, what did you think about the uh, the the colorized version of A Trip to the Moon? It was terrible. (laughs) Uh, Not not like the film itself. And I think the colorization, you know, them restoring it as best they could with, you know, some of the parts that were missing, that was fine. And I mean, you could tell it was like a rough, you know, like what they had the film, but the music was so bad. It made me feel like I was like, I don't know, I like tripping out or like crazy. It, it just didn't flow with the sense of the movie and i'm like i'm so glad like it's not really a big deal there's not like a huge plop i'm glad i watched the black and white one first and then the color one because i was like ah man this this music is so terrible the music is like distractingly like it's so distracting that i can't i couldn't even like really focus what was going on there was a couple a couple times where I almost like turned it off i was like no it's 12 minutes i can do this (laughs) we almost muted it we almost muted it a couple times. Uh, it is, it is disrespectfully bad. Yeah, like it's almost like they ruined it on purpose. Yeah, it's like none of the new music fits the tone yeah. of what's going on on screen. None of it <laughs> makes sense. You know, it, it, when we watched the general, the music fits like the music yeah. is the sound effects to all that like it, here there was no regard for that whatsoever yep um none of the music felt like a sound effect no when it happened um it was it, yeah it's really bad yeah. however the colorization is great yeah i thought the colorization was really cool um because it's hand painted it kind of changes the whole yeah. time so like, yeah, like my sh- wife was freaking out because her eyes like she has she has uh oh. she gets motion sickness pretty easily yeah that would this would do it to you yeah and uh so it but it, it looks very dreamlike like it, it yeah. all looks very surreal which is cool because um when you i mean that's what movies are they're dreams projected right yeah and so it, it it makes this it makes it feel larger than life and i can imagine being like an audience in 1902 just being like what is happening yeah this yeah. is insane you guys <laughs> like what you know and and really you know the his films his films were game changers in the sense that they really helped them break out into the mainstream, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Lumiere brothers who invented this technology just thought it was a passing fad. Yeah. And he thought that you could uh, capitalize on it. Yeah. Um, and he did. And so he he helped usher in everything we see today, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and just, like, that's such an important place in history to be, and no one talks about this guy ever. That sucks. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, he's not he's not even a name when you really talk about when you talk about the history of cinema, and it's so crazy to me, unless you go very, very far back, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of us really associate the beginnings of cinema with Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And, I mean, they're 24 years after Milliace was making these movies. Yeah. That's like that's pretty close to my age currently. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and so be you know I, I think 
Hugo took the time to really like bring this guy to the forefront, yes. uh, even though no one really kind of saw this movie. But he's such a major figure in the history of cinema that no one talks about. And, and so Hugo kind of gave him his due. Yeah. And, you know, it's based off this book, uh, The Invention of Hugo Cabret. And it's a film by Martin Scorsese. It came out in 2011. And it's about this guy who uh, is Georges Méliès. Yeah. And he works at a train station in France. Mm-hmm. And there's a kid who's an orphan who kind of lives in the train station and uh, makes all the clocks run on time. Yeah. And he kind of has this tumultuous relationship with Méliès, yeah. who is a toy shop owner. And uh, he meets and becomes friends with uh, his goddaughter. Yeah. And... Uh, they kind of help bring back Georges Méliès' passion for cinema. He's very uh, dejected at this point. Yeah, he's had some tragedy in his life. Uh, in that World War One hit France, and no one cared about cinema anymore. Yeah, uh, understandably, yeah, because yeah. the country was ravaged by a war. Yes. at that point, but uh, he. He burned all of his belongings and sold off his films to be uh, melted down into shoe shoe heels. heels. Is that true? Do you know if that's true? I'm not sure. I think it is. I think all the history is very accurate in the movie. And it's like super depressing. Yeah. I was watching that part. I was like, man. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Hugo is a fictional character, but he ends up saving the day and kind of uh, helping Georges Méliès realize that he has had an impact on the world. Yeah. And um, that actually is true in the sense that uh, Meliès lived long enough to see this gala held in his honor with a bunch of his films. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Uh, so he, he actually became, uh, he got a, a, an award from the government of France for his accomplishments. So he, and he was actually a toy maker and toy seller at a train station in France before all that happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what happened is in the real story, a group of journalists started investigating his life and found out that he was still around. And so they came and approached him and they were like, we love you. Yeah. You know, like we write about movies because of you. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw your movies when we were kids and, and that's why uh, we write about them now. Yeah. And so he was able to see his work kind of be recognized in his lifetime, which, so it's a, it's a, okay. it, that's awesome to yeah. hear because I was watching it and I had in mind, like we talked about last time, I was like, well, wow, this is kind of this is awesome, but this is depressing because you said it's like he kind of didn't really get his due, and so like I had in my mind the whole time it's like he died just being like dejected and nobody like heard about him or anything, and so I was like, this is this is happy but like tragic at the same time because yeah. I thought that was all fictional. <laughs> no, it it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I actually looked it up and and confirmed that it was not. Um, so that gala is real okay. at the end of the at the at the end of the movie. So yeah, this is I mean this is a movie about that and about the history of cinema and the super important figure in cinema. What did you think about about Hugo Corey? I really liked it. Um, man, Martin Scorsese can direct a film. Was this was not your first Scorsese? No, movie. no. Was this your second? Yeah, this was my second. And the first was New York, New York. Yeah, it was not a good uh, litmus test for him. Nope. So, but man, it was really good. Um, I really liked it. All the acting was really good. I liked all the characters. Um, just some of like the the cinematography in it. It's so mm-hmm. good. Even just how the movie starts, and I liked a lot of the sets and. Man, it was just it was just really good, and I liked kind of how it veils itself as you know it's like it doesn't lead with like the history of film, but then like you kind of get into it, and then you see like 
oh, the history of film tied to this man's heart for, like, why he did it, mm-hmm. and, man, it just, I, I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. Like, way more than I thought I was going to. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah um, it, it's it's a family film. Uh, you know, you could watch it with anyone in your family, although I cannot imagine a child being entertained yeah, by this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. It's incredibly well made and mm-hmm. charming and well acted and, and scripted really well, but it's very slow and it's two hours of talking. Yes. And an hour of a history lesson, basically. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that they do in this movie is they go to great lengths to show you his process. Mm-hmm. And they, to the point where um, Scorsese went back and reshot a lot of I was Milliers's, wondering about that. Yeah, and I think he shot them in full. Um, <laughs> and and we just saw pieces of it. But there's cinema history sprinkled throughout this movie. You know, we saw, uh, we saw the train arriving at the station, which yeah. is the earliest known film. That's actually true. Um, we see uh, uh, workers exiting a warehouse, which mm-hmm. is one of the second, like the second earliest known film. We saw clips from The General yeah. and The Kid and, you know, stuff we've talked about here. Yeah. We saw Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we saw like a bunch of footage from A Trip to the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um and they do these flashbacks where it shows them on set doing these things. Yeah. And it is incredible because I guarantee you Scorsese went through the the, the effort to make sure that they were doing those techniques exactly how Malias did. Yeah. And just the sets he had constructed and his studio where he just made it like a glass house yeah. so they could get the lighting uh, was so good. It was such a smart idea. And Man. you just really get a sense of what a genius this guy actually yeah. was. And just... As a creator, um, you know, as someone who does this podcast and someone who writes about movies, Mm -hmm. um, it was just this, it was just this, it's just that sequence is so um, indicative of what you want the dream to be, right? Like you just want, as someone with a creative heart and spirit, you just want to create with other creators. And like they were doing that, man. And it's so inspiring. But then when you see like the war hit and you hear him talking about those times, it hits even harder. Yeah. You know, it's it's a real bummer. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, it is. Man, I forgot how affecting that sequence when is. When he starts ripping up his drawings, like concept art, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ben Kingsley is fantastic yeah, in the role. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. great in it. This is... I think this is one of the best movies about the history of cinema that has ever existed. Wow. Um, I mean, down to the way Scorsese will layer stuff in a frame looks like a Milliese movie, yeah. even though it's just like two kids talking outside an apartment building. Mm-hmm. You know, it's them in the foreground, and then in the background you have the train, yeah. uh, the train tracks, and then in the background behind that you have the like the skyline of France, and it looks exactly because he had these like sort of three tiered sets, mm-hmm. and it looks exactly like a Milliese mm-hmm. movie. Um, the movie opens on basically a short film. Yeah, you know, like y- you could cut out the like the beginning of the movie through the opening title hugo and it's a full complete compact story yeah um which is it just feels like a million short yeah it's really cool and he tries to make it as silent as possible yep you know there's not a lot of talking and uh, you know there's all these homages here and there like it's constant Mm -hmm. throughout this movie and it's great um martin scorsese is like we talked about a huge nerd for this stuff yeah and it shows and this is one of the most lovingly crafted pieces of art about cinema that i think i've ever seen mm-hmm. um it's really good you guys like it's, yeah yeah <clears throat> i forgot how much i really like <laughs> this movie I've, i it was the second time i've seen it i'd only seen it the one time in theaters and i mm-hmm. really liked it then and having like done this dive with the film school yeah. into the history of cinema 
it's made me appreciate it even more. Yeah. Um, and so it, it does have this happy ending where he gets his due and then it ends on an incredible tracking shot through a house. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> um, there's actually a video online of them filming that. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's pretty sweet. Wow. Yeah, and you get to see like how they did it. Um, and then you get you just get this idea and this respect for this man that you probably didn't know about yeah. before this. And it's so, so important to like know where we came from and why yeah. we came from there and how we got there. Um, yeah, I can't recommend this movie enough. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really solid. It's really good. Um, Corey, do you have any, any other thoughts on Hugo? No, I mean, it's just like what you're talking about. Like ever since I've become involved with this podcast and like, even when, since we started doing this, segment which i really love it's just deepened my appreciation for film and this silent era of film is so rich and so even going further back to see like this guy was one of the like the key like genesis points for film Mm -hmm. like i don't know i just was so i i love the aesthetic of hugo and the story and like you know the fictional characters but i really love the heart of like how the history was tied into all of it and just kind of getting that mini documentary in the middle i was just like yes this is amazing and like my appreciation and respect for him is just like doubled like multiplied like it was just wow you know we couldn't have anything that we have nowadays without him yeah there's no way there's no way even like besides the special effects that he was thinking outside the box enough to be like we can create stories we can go to these different worlds you know it's like i'm sure someone would have gotten there eventually but like it's such a drastic shift from what was happening with like the first films you know it's like oh a train pulling into a station you know it's like how long would it have taken for someone to be like we can go to different places we can do these things he's just like he was just a man like ahead of his time yeah i mean he even filmed a version of hamlet really Mm -hmm. wow i would love to see that i think that would be (laughs) great um yeah i mean it's it's he's just a a key key figure that i think doesn't get talked about enough Mm -hmm. honestly um yeah, so that's Hugo. Yeah. Um, that's the before and after show film school for mm-hmm. this week. Uh, I hope you guys had a good time. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what form this will be taking in the future. <laughs> uh, Corey and I are still kind of working that out. Yeah. Okay. I hope you guys have enjoyed this segment. If it, if this is the last one, I'm glad we even made it this far. Mm-hmm. If this isn't, I'm looking forward to, to the form it takes later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we are going to take a short break and then jump into Ryan Buell and myself talking about our expectations for Jason Bourne. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that film school. And actually, big announcement. Corey is going to be involved with the before and after show every other week. So... As you know, Film School happens on every before show, and that's because we like you to have two weeks to watch the movie because these movies we really want you to watch. It's, uh, you know, teaching you how to watch movies better. And Corey and I decided, uh, you know, why why do we have to stop that? So Corey will be joining us via Skype every other week to do another lesson for before and after show Film School. So Corey is super not gone away from the podcast now, and I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, until that, until next time, I am joined by Ryan Buell. Hello, hello. And we are talking about Jason Bourne. Now, Jason Bourne is the fourth uh, 
however you want to i guess it depends on how you slice it it's the fourth jason Bourne movie starring bat yeah. damon yeah um it's the fifth total in the uh, overall Bourne franchise there's one called the Bourne legacy that stars jeremy renner and um you know it's it's a spy espionage thriller based on the novels by robert ludlam mm-hmm and the first three follow the first three books, I believe. Yeah. Um, the Born Identity, The Born Supremacy, and The Born Ultimatum. Loosely, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they are considered the great spy thriller of the modern age. They are basically American James Bond, but with a little bit more of a... The government's the bad guy mm-hmm. uh, element to it. Um, you know, the, the first three are about this guy who doesn't know who he is, kind of discovering that he was this bred as this super soldier by the United States government and kind of trying to take down that program from the inside for basically brainwashing people into being these soldiers against their will. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the very base level premise of the first three born movies. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, what, what do you think about the, the original three born movies? Oh, I love them. Uh, I go back a uh, long ways with them. Uh, I think they're a fantastic film. I think Matt Damon definitely uh, is a great uh, Jason Bourne. Um, they're, they're fun action movies, but they're also intriguing. It's got great character development, in my opinion. Um, and just seeing this character start from the first Jason Bourne movie where... It's literally a babe in the woods. Like, I don't know what the F is going on. I can do all these things. I don't know why. Um, and then going into the second one, which is more of a revenge story. Mm. Still figuring out who he is, but now he's come out of the shadows to take out the guy that killed the woman that he loved. Third one, basically two and three are pretty much just one movie, just mm-hmm. split. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one kind of caps it all off. He figures out the mystery in total about who he really is. Yeah, with Treadstone or whatever. With Treadstone and then his associate, his association with them and that they lied to him. Like you said, they brainwashed him. Um, and then kind of leaving it there and you'd think, okay, the story's been told. The mystery's been solved, quote unquote. Um, so I'm not real sure about the new one. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. But yeah, um, these first three are really solid movies. Um, my spy of choice is James Bond. Mm. Um, as you'll notice, I am sitting under the Bond 50th anniversary Blu-ray set. I remember that set. And uh, tucked away below me to my left, out of view, um, out of view to all of you is both of these things because this is an audio podcast, but out of view to Ryan is my Jason Bourne collection. It's not on display, but I own all three of them mm. um, in the like big collector set. I really enjoy these movies. Um, I think they're very good modern-day espionage movies. It's crazy to think that the first one came out in 2002. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think I really like The Bourne Ultimatum. I think it might have to do with the uh, the fact that that's the only one I actually saw in theaters. I saw the first two on DVD. Yeah, I think I saw the second one and the third one in theaters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I really, I think, I think that third one makes the other two better, and the other two are really good. Yeah, um, I think it's the 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 cap, like you said, the encapsulated story that these movies tell is really solid. Yeah, um, they're really good spy thrillers. They did kind of usher in the era of shaky cam. Yeah, a lot of that going on. Yeah, which you know, eh, <laughs> um, yeah, could, but could do without it. Yes, uh, but I think they're really solid. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before we get into Jason Bourne, Matt Damon is in these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Damon's great in these movies. I 
But, Ryan, what, I mean, what do you think about Matt Damon as an actor? As an actor, I think he's really good. I think he, much like most actors, he's got hits and misses. I think he's got more hits in terms of good roles that he's had than, than, than not. Um, he's right up there with my top favorites. I, I really, most, most things that he's done, I'd be willing to see um, movie-wise. I think he's just a really good actor. Um, my first exposure to him was, I think, was Jason Bourne. I think it was the first movie of his that I ever saw. Mm-hmm. And that led me to all his other ones, like one of my top five favorites, Good Will Hunting. Oh, yeah, you love I, that movie. Oh, that's... Oh, I could watch that every day if I could. Um, but I just think he's a great actor. I think he's really good. I think he does... Um, I think he can... I think he's got the capability to do really good character pieces and really to project that... The kind of character you care about you know what I mean like like I was saying with Wonder Woman Gail Gadot just deadness in the eyes and how she projects in my opinion Matt Damon you you read everything really, really well of him. I'm not really technical if anything yeah, yeah, hopefully no, this good, all makes sense but yeah I think he's really good yeah I agree with that uh, the first movie I saw him in was this movie called School Ties yeah Brendan Fraser yeah I saw that later on in life. Yeah, I actually had to watch it for an English class I was in because we were reading a um, we were reading a, a novel in our class about a Jewish kid who was bullied simply for being Jewish, Jewish. and mm-hmm. that's what School Ties is about. Um, so the book we were reading, you know, didn't have an official adaptation, but that was close to it, so yeah. we watched that. Um, and I don't remember a ton about it. Uh, all I remember is that being my first exposure to Matt Damon. And then I saw Born Identity and Born Supremacy, and I really liked those. I eventually got around to Goodwill Hunting. I think he's great in that movie. Mm. Um, wh- oh gosh, I think he's great in the Oceans movies. Yeah, um, I think he's very funny the in young those movies. Upstart, who's kind of the up and comer. Yep, I think oh. he is the. Pro- uh, I think he provides the only good moment of Oceans Twelve, which is when they go to that bar and start talking all that jargon, and he like doesn't know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I hate that movie. So he was he was able to be the shining spot in that movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he turned in one of the best performances of the decade last year in The Martian. Uh, I haven't seen the one yet. You haven't seen The Martian? I haven't. Oh my goodness, dude. It is so good. Yeah. And that is, that's my favorite Matt Damon performance of all time. And he's got some good ones. Uh, he is incredible in that movie. I have never seen Matt, Matt Damon act like that like it's so it's next level man Mm. it's so good um so i am very hot on matt damon going into this movie i also saw that like dumb oil movie he did in promised land all that to be said i think uh i think he's just a really solid actor and i like what you said he's able to convey empathy really well Mm. part of it is because i think he looks like a puppy <laughs> feel like if he, if he looks like a puppy that got turned into a man. <laughs> um, next issue, next issue of People Magazine. Matt Damon, most like puppy. <laughs> Matt Damon colon man puppy. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I think he he is able to give these like very um, intense looks that make you connect with him because you understand what's going on in his head yeah. and i think even as as born you really get to see him calculating everything 
but also being worried mm-hmm. at the same time. And I think he's able to ride that good line of like, yeah. he he knows in his subconscious that he can handle this situation, but he's not particularly conscious conscious of it. And you get to see him evolve into becoming aware that like, and confident that he can handle any of these situations. Because yeah. in identity, like you said, he doesn't really know. Yeah. And so he's just like worried. And then he like this explosive action comes out of him and he's like, whoa, what the heck? And then by like, born ultimatum he's using these to his advantage yeah um you know it's like kind of this perfect superhero origin very much so um so all that to be said what is this uh nine years after the last born movie Mm -hmm. jason born is back in a movie called jason born and uh tommy lee jones um alicia vikander and julia lewis uh no Julia Stiles. Stiles, yeah. Yeah, Julia Stiles is back to reprise her role, and so is Matt Damon. Paul Greengrass is back to direct. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Matt Damon would have done another one without Greengrass. Yeah, I think I that agree. was a stipulation. I think I'm not doing another one without. Yeah. Because Greengrass, did he do the second and third one? Mm-hmm. But he didn't do the first one. No. Okay. So um, that makes sense. Yeah, and so, so he's he's back to direct, and so it's kind of this you know continuation of the story. There was the unsuccessful uh, Born Legacy. We don't necessarily need to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it was pretty forgettable. Uh, I mean, it was fine, yeah. but it wasn't. Eh. I think that was them trying to keep the franchise going without yeah. Damon, and they're like, "Oh, that was stupid." Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Ryan, what do you think about this Jason Bourne movie? I really don't know what to think. I, I know what I hope is. I hope. I hope it's either a conclusion mm-hmm. or gives me a reason to be like, okay, I can see another story coming here. Um, I know from Ultimatum, I wanted to know what Matt Damon's relationship was to Julia Childs. I Styles. To, Styles, pardon me. Styles. She didn't cook. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to know what was that. Was that a romantic mm-hmm. tie or they mm-hmm. related to me? You know, so to me, I hope they answer that question. I have a feeling they will. Yeah. The um, trailers have been pretty mysterious. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say what it is here, but I, kind of, like, I, I watched a review earlier that kind of gave away the plot. Mm. Um, not like spoilers and all. Um, but I kind of know what the movie's about. The general but, face. Yeah, and I, I do know that it is about him trying to obtain personal secrets. Okay. So it might be that. Um, okay. I don't know what those personal secrets are. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I hope it answers that, and I hope it's... I hope it's just not an excuse for him to just punch crap. Yeah. I want... As I've talked with you before on... on not on camera. What is this? Microphone. On microphone, off of it. Character to me is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You can have the most amazing plot, the amazing story, most amazing story in the world, but if I don't give a rip about the characters, it's pointless. Yeah. And Jason Bourne, I think his real name in, in the books and in the movies, David Webb, mm-hmm. but he's a character I care about because yeah. you see this man start like you were talking about. You know what has happened to me to I've embraced who I am or this part of me that I hate but it's it's there I've embraced that yeah and so this next movie I want to see more of that struggle and I also either closure like you know actual closure whether it's a happy ending with him and the lady or whatever Mm -hmm. or there's more to the plot like he's got a brother I don't know yeah hopefully that all made sense yeah and then they can do the fifth one born on the fourth of July Yes. Yeah. Or the even darker one, Stillborn. Uh, 
Don't forget to tip your waitresses, folks. <laughs> oh, well played, sir. Um, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I think this movie could go either way at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see Matt Damon in something again, um, because the last thing I saw him in, I loved him in. I have read that Jason Bourne only has 25 lines in this movie, six of which are in the trailer. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's not necessarily a deal breaker for me. Yeah. It doesn't give me a whole ton of confidence at the same time. Yeah, to me that sounds like it's just going to be fighty, fighty, McFighter. Yeah. Um, or, like, they're going to take Matt Damon the Gosling route, which, like, I have well established on this show that I like my Ryan Gosling when he talks a lot. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I'm not super into the, like, broody, silent hero. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the actors that play him, or, or that play that type, or what, but I, I'm i not crazy into that. <laughs> um, mm. I think that Greengrass directing is, is a good idea. Uh, I'm interested to see if his filmmaking has evolved. Mm. Uh, the only other movie I think I've seen of his recently, and this is, like, when it came out on DVD, is Green Zone. Hmm. also with matt damon yes yeah Yeah. also with matt damon i think that he did that between born movies Mm. um no he did it after it came out three years after born ultimatum but Mm. that was the last thing i i can remember seeing from paul greengrass oh no i'm a liar i saw captain phillips i didn't know he directed that Mm. um okay so okay yeah so he made green zone and then captain phillips so i saw captain phillips and i was not the hugest fan of that movie but it also wasn't this like hardcore action or either it was more of a drama Mm. and tom hanks is great in the movie um the end is incredible i don't know if you saw captain i haven't seen it no it's it's worth it for tom hanks um i think that I, i i i'm really interested to see if he has gotten away from the shaky cam or if he's leaned into it more or how these action sequences are going to play. Um, you know, the Bourne movies are pride themselves on the action sequences. So I hope those are there. Mm-hmm. I really hope those are there. Cause the action is subpar. A lot of the other stuff is probably going to be like, so, that's going to tell me what they cared about, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I, I hope there's a reason for this to exist, yeah. you know? Because I don't feel like there is one yet. Uh, and that's just simply because we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, so so in my brain, like, I like the idea of Matt Damon coming back to this franchise. I like the idea of him playing this character again. I just don't know that we need to have it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and it's it's something we've kind of talked about a lot on the show, just given the nature of the summer, like our reboots and remakes and sequels and all this stuff. Are they all necessary? Is there a spot for them? Should we back off? Should we do more? Should we do less? We've all talked about this. And I think the thing we keep coming back to is they're fine as long as they're good. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't really care who's playing who or who like what gender or race or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't care that much as long as you make a good final product. Like that is my main concern when I go into a movie because I'm paying out of my own pocket to see mm. these movies and I want to make sure that I'm spending my money on good things. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not to say like they, I haven't seen crap that I knew was going to be bad for this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's still like, I'm still hopeful every time Jurassic world. I wanted to like, you know, uh, I knew I would hate, yeah. but I wanted it to surprise me. Yeah. Um, G- Ghostbusters recently, 
I thought I was going to hate it, and I ended up liking it quite a bit. Mm. You know, so with Jason Bourne, it's, I'm kind of middle of the road. It's it's almost hard to talk about because of how middle of the road I am on this. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not crazy passionate either way, except for the fact that I like Matt Damon. Yeah. And I like that character, and I like this set of movies a lot, so I hope that they're worthy of the franchise. Yeah. That's really all I care about with this movie. Yeah. Whether or not it looks that way, I honestly can't tell because they've shrouded the trailers in mystery and that's not a bad thing yeah like i'm fine i've only seen one trailer for this movie i've seen it a lot but each time i see it like it's i don't get anything new out of it you know and so i'm fine with being covered in mystery until i see the final product as a matter of fact i kind of prefer it yeah and um you know and and that's not to say that like if i find something out about a movie it's going to ruin my experience either way good storytelling is good storytelling like you know i don't seek out spoilers but if i find something out i'm fine with it you know i especially like i'm on the internet looking at stuff about movies a lot i get spoiled on a lot of movies before they come out just by the nature of my hobby yeah so i mean it's honestly we'll see this is actually one of the hardest movies we've had to talk about on the show because there's so little about it and that's good from that from the standpoint of you know we'll be surprised when we see it but it's also like i mean we'll see when we see it you know um i think a lot of times we have these this baggage we do carry into it and we have that in that we like this franchise yeah but other than that like there's not a lot else to say i mean i mean i mean what do you what do you think ryan well for me a thought that i had before coming to record this and just now listening to what you're saying and just ruminating a little bit I hope they carry with the theme that I really love they established literally in the first movie and then they ended on it in the third movie, which was the futility of the the assassins, like the way they went. Like, do you remember the scene with Clive Owen and him in the Mm -hmm. first movie Mm -hmm. where he told him, um, look what what they make you give, look what they make you do. Yeah. And then in Ultimatum, the last scene, he says to the up-and-coming recruit who's about to shoot him on the roof... Oh. He says a very similar line. Oh. Look what they make you give. You know, don't do this. Don't waste your life because he now know he now knows everything and jumps yeah. off the roof. I hope that characteristic is still there. Like he's not. I don't. I don't want him to jump back in the action just because ah action star. There's got to be a solid reason for him to be true to the law. Or not the law. To be true to the character growth mm-hmm. that came from one, two, and three of this man of like this lifestyle is i don't want this yeah i I now know enough about myself f it i'm going back to my island or whatever yeah so there's you know pretty much reiterating what we already said but i want a solid reason for him to come back yeah and that's the thing that sets this uh spy whose initials are jb apart from the other one Mm -hmm. is james bond is a very indulgent character by his nature uh jason Bourne is a very human character by his nature and i think that's why people you know can connect to him in the modern day um, more than they can to james bond um and i get that uh mm-hmm. <clears throat> um but i think uh so i think with james bond you can have him not be a human because he does a lot of inhuman or superhuman things yeah. uh, up to and including the lifestyle he leads you know if yeah. any person tried to live like a james bond lifestyle they would die because they're eating so much rich food and drinking so much alcohol yeah. and they're gonna have every std in the book yeah. so yeah. um you know he james bond is this very escapist uh 
fantasy for people you yeah. know and, and there's a there's a place for that but jason Bourne is this very real character who can you know kind of he's more introspective and so he can kind of teach us a little bit more about ourselves yeah and so because of that you know i think that's uh, that's why um he's coming back and i hope that's why he's coming back yeah um but as far as everything else, like, we'll see. Like, yeah. I don't even know how the action's gonna be. I don't know how the story's gonna be. Yeah, I know nothing. I love Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Seeing him in there gave it to me a little bit more credibility. It's like, I, he can be good. Yeah. I've seen him terrible. Yes. Vis-a-vis Batman Forever. Yes. But, more often than not, he, he does a good job. So I'm excited to see the dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the dialogue in the movie. Yeah. Um, just because there's one line that I really hate in the trailer. Which line's that? When the, the security guy is like, we've been hacked. It could be worse than Snowden. Um, what was Snowden? Snowden, Ed, Edward Snowden, the guy who worked at the NSA and um, leaked a bunch of confidential stuff uh, about how the government was like tapping phones and like spying on people and stuff. I gotcha. I hate that line because... um. Snowden didn't hack anything. He, Edward Snowden wasn't a hacker. He just worked for the government and put all the stuff he had access to on a flash drive and then mm. just released it to like. So it's, a, it's a poorly placed line. Yeah, it's not even true. Yeah, it's that's not what Snowden like. Snowden didn't have to hack anything. He was just by virtue of his job given access to all these files. Yeah. So. To say that this hack is worse than the Snowden hack, like, yeah, any of them are because the Snowden hack didn't exist. Yeah. Um, so that, like, that's that's just a level of carelessness that li- gives me a little bit of pause, you mm. know? Um, especially given the fact that this crap happened in the last two years. Like, it's not, it's, it's not like he was referencing Watergate. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> he was referencing something that happened in the last two years that's having a movie made about it as we speak that's coming out two months after this. Mm. You know, it's very current. Yeah. Um, so to even not do that level of research is a little uh, disheartening. Yeah. But, I mean, it could just be making a mountain out of a molehill. There's not a lot to go on in these trailers. Yeah, which is a good thing. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, we'll be back next week to mm-hmm. uh, to talk about uh, all of this, unpack, you know, Jason Bourne. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find the show um, at thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's that real R-E-E-L, perspective.blogspot.com. Email the show, before and after show at gmail.com. SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, uh, Beyond Pod if you're an Android user. It's a great app if you're an Android user for uh, cataloging all your podcasts. Um, we are not sponsored by them. I just love them. Hmm. Uh, Ryan, are you on Twitter at all or no? No, I'm not actually. Okay. I got Facebook. That's about it. All right. Um, yeah, and until next time, uh, go watch a Born movie. Word to that. Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>